This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes. And Fred, I understand you've been hanging out with the Trump fans. Well, 29 of them anyway. Uh, a few nights ago, uh, we're gathered in, in a room in Alexandria, Virginia, for a so-called focus group. Mm-hmm. In other words, to express their opinions. And these were all people who were for Trump or who were once for Trump, uh, and even the ones who had prior, who say they're now former Trump supporters, <laughs> sounded very enthusiastic about him anyway. Uh, and it was just so interesting for many, many reasons. And well, one of them this is, is the point where I ask you how many of them were wearing aluminum foil on their head. Did they bring their own boiled water? Did you have to get patted down? Because there is this no- notion out there among at least the casual media who don't follow things closely. These guys got to be a bunch of crazies. Well, I was just going to answer that question even before you asked it. And the answer is no. And not only this, uh, and, and not only were they not crazies, uh, they were largely not working class either. You know, it said that the low information working class voters are the ones who are for Trump. Well, not this group, which um, the person who put the whole focus group together, Frank Luntz, uh, insisted, uh, because he's done so many of these focus groups, that they represented a fair sample of Trump uh, supporters, or at least Trump enthusiasts in one form or another. And what, uh, if you, before we get to the broader and you know, dig into the, the experience, if you had to summarize why these people are supporting Donald Trump for president, how would you summarize it? Well, I think it's very simple. Uh, they like what Trump says uh, and regard it as as something that they've fought, and somehow Trump is the first uh, politician to come along uh, who is saying what they think. And they don't think of him, actually, as a politician. They think of him as different. He's not just their favorite among the 17 Republican candidates for president, for instance. And they regard him as, some, as a different category entirely. Uh, and that's one of the reasons they like him. And they also like the swagger and the tough talk and all that. You know, it's interesting, the way you talk about the way that you're describing the feelings about Donald Trump, it reminds me of when Rush Limbaugh first became a national media figure and mm-hmm. you couldn't really categorize him. This wasn't your usual chat radio with a guy telling you the news and where the dog show was. I mean, this was mm-hmm. so new and, and, and Rush fans weren't even fans of talk radio. They never listened to talk radio. They were just fans of Rush. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I, I think that's right. Uh, and there's another thing that's important in explaining why they're so enthusiastic about Trump. These are people, pretty conservative people, though there was a, a Democrat or two there, and there were a couple of African-Americans, um, and I would say one or two independents, but mostly Republicans. 
and they're completely frustrated by the Republican leaders in Washington and at the Republican National Committee, but particularly at John Boehner, the Speaker of the House, and Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate Majority Leader. I mean, they think that those guys are complete wussies. They won't stand up to uh, President Obama. Uh, they will back down uh, just because they fear a shutdown or something like that. And <clears throat> the word, when asked about Republicans in Congress, running Congress, what one word comes to their mind when they when they think of them and the word that half a dozen, no, maybe more than that, maybe half of the group of 29 said, and that was useless. Wow. Well, uh, so if the and they see Trump, Trump is the antidote. Right. So if the political class is useless, then it doesn't hurt that a guy doesn't have any political experience or doesn't talk like a politician or organize his campaign or his ideas like a usual politician because the usual politics have already failed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and several of them said, you know, something happens to these guys that we elect to go to Washington. Uh, they get overcome by something. They couldn't quite describe what it was, uh, <laughs> but they didn't like it. Uh, when I assume in the Franklin's focus group that they were confronted with things like, for example, Donald Trump's actual positions on issues that he would have to use to govern should he become president. What impact did that have on the folks? Well, they agreed with a lot of them. They agreed with what he said about immigrants. They agreed with uh, the things he boasts about, you know. I mean, uh, uh, Trump talks about uh, that he would be the best president for jobs ever. Well, he says that, so they think, hey, this guy would be the best president for jobs ever. You know, they take, they take his uh, claims like that at face value um, and, and, and contrast him again with the other Republicans and conservatives they hear from, the more establishment types, and uh, it makes uh, Trump look all the better. You know, uh, this, you know, this may be the strangeness of, of what I do and maybe sort of what you do of you know, looking at people who want to lead about what it is they specifically want to do and how they plan on doing it. You know, Reagan was able to lay out very simply what we're going to do with tax cuts and with the growing the defense segment, take on the Soviets. You know, Bill Clinton, you know, triangulating. You can get the path, even if you don't agree with it or you don't agree with the goal, you get how you're going to get there. I, I don't understand the Donald Trump path forward for being the greatest jobs president God ever made. I don't understand the Donald Trump plan forward for uh, mass deportation of 11 million illegal immigrants. Do, do the folks in the focus group know something we don't? No, they don't. But here's uh, how they're different from, from you and from me, too. Uh, they're not impatient to find out. Uh, here's what, com what Trump is saying now, and they don't expect him to come out with a 10-page uh, a plan tomorrow. Um, I'd like to see one. <laughs> you might like to see one, <laughs> but they can wait. They, I mean, they're just happy about what he's saying. And look, and when we're if we're deep in the primaries, and and uh, and if Trump is still just saying, "Hey, I'm going to be the best jobs president ever," without any uh, sort of a uh, a roadmap to actually uh, doing something about jobs, uh, they may get upset. But they're not now. And the other thing, uh, Michael, it, it was interesting to me. All the old stuff about Trump, you know, that he backed a, a single-payer right. health care plan at some point, and he's given money to Democrats and all that other stuff. They could care less about that. That's, that's ancient history. I mean, it's about as, as meaningful to them as uh, uh, Jeb Bush's record as governor of Florida. Uh, I was able to get Steve Hayes to do a podcast the other day. I know it's hard to believe he was sober long enough, you know, to, to do that. But um, <laughs> he said that when he goes out and gives speeches to Republican groups, 
and his, his title of the speech is, you know, whatever, optimistic conservatism or the you know, bright yep. hopes for conservatism, that the crowds don't want to hear them. And that he thinks that Trump, because his message is really fundamentally negative, America is not great right now, we're getting our head handed to us, things are terrible, that the mood of the Republican electorate is bad and that Donald Trump meets that bad mood. Would, would you say that's an accurate reflection of what you saw with the uh, focus group? Yeah, I would. That's pretty good insight. Uh, I, I think Steve is correct about that. Uh, you see groups that, uh, that, I mean, conservatives anyway, and, and he and I are both probably more likely to be speaking to conservatives than to, uh, say, liberals. Mm-hmm. But uh, And they are completely disgusted with Washington. Uh, they think, you know, we look, we heard when we won the House that Republicans could really do something. And then when we won the Senate, well, boy, we can really do something. And they still haven't done anything. Now, look, I'm, I grew up in Washington. I've lived here my whole life. I understand the thinking of, of McConnell and Boehner. I also understand why folks uh, outside of Washington are furious at them. So is there a path forward for a Republican to be the nominee who isn't selling you know, dour, doom, and gloom? And then, of course, the next question to ask is, can you be the all hope is dead, you know, candidate for the primaries and then turn around and say, I'm the let's fix it for the future guy for the general election uh, uh, audience that seems to react more to the Reagan style, sunny optimism rather than the Jeremiah approach. Mm -hmm. Well, for instance, uh, for uh, the Trumpies, Trump is hope. Uh, He says there are all these things he can do that will make America great. And, you know, uh, at the focus group, uh, Frank Luntz played for them uh, some tapes of things that, uh, Trump had said. And one of them was where he said over and over again, I will be the greatest president of the United States ever. I thought maybe that was a little excessive on Trump's part. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and they didn't seem to mind. They thought one woman said, you know, he's very confident, and his confidence makes me feel confident. Uh, I mean, they look, they give uh, Trump a lot of slack Mm -hmm. and that they wouldn't give to other politicians because they think he's different. Well, I I don't want to be the one to break it to Abe Lincoln that his star has been outshone (laughs) by a casino uh, owner. I I don't want to be that guy. One last question for you about Mm -hmm. the poll numbers we see right now. Uh, The latest poll, Donald Trump broke 40 percent, four zero. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, the, the kind of establishment, you know, Sunday talk show conversation. Oh, he's going to fade. He's going to fade. When you're at 40 percent and the next guy is at 13, you got a long way to go before you've faded. Well, we see a, uh, a, a sudden decline of Trump the same way we saw a sudden rise. Or is he firmly, firmly established to be in the primaries for most of the duration, at least? Well, I don't know about most of the duration, but he'll certainly be there in the beginning and right through the big, uh, you know, 10 uh, primary, two caucus day on March 1. Uh, and afterwards, uh, he's going to be there. I mean, his uh, support is so deep uh, and so strongly felt by uh, at least the people in this focus group uh, that uh, it, it seemed to me to be very durable. Uh, I mean, we'll find out. And I say this to someone, I'm not a fan of Trump. Uh, I mean, I have candidates that I prefer and those that I don't like much. And I would say Trump's on my don't on my don't <laughs> like list. But I understand, I think, particularly after this focus group, why people are excited about Trump. And I don't fault them for that. 
You know, I lied. I have do have one more question because you just reminded me that you've watched so many races and you've covered so many races. The names that pop up when people are looking for an analogy to mm-hmm. Trump are George Wallace, Ross Perot. Is mm-hmm. that the same kind of political neighborhood that he's residing in or is he something completely new or does he remind you of somebody else from the past? Well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the level of enthusiasm reminds me of the enthusiasm and commitment and really love uh, that so many conservatives felt for Ronald Reagan. It was deep and unshakable uh, for so many of them. But with George Wallace, it was really one issue, and, and that was segregation. He was for segregation, and many people in the South where he got votes were for segregation. South, uh, the South has changed now, but in 1968 and, and 1972, when Wallace was a candidate, that's what they were voting for. No, oh, I, I would say uh, that Pro was different. You know, he had this issue of that the deficit was terrible and so on, and he was on TV with charts and explaining it all. And and uh, the reason he got 19% of the vote was that so many conservative Republican voters were dissatisfied with President George Bush the first, and and Bush was so uh, um, such a sad case in their mind that they switched to uh, Pro. I never talked to any pro voter during that entire entire campaign who was uh, a liberal or a Democrat who had come to pro just because he was worried about the deficit and pro talked about it. It was all right out of the Republican presidential coalition. Well, Echoes of Parole, new poll out today shows that if Donald Trump ran as a third party candidate, Hillary would win the presidency with 40 mm-hmm. percent of the vote as the Republican and Trump split the, the rest, making her a president with even less of the popular vote than her husband, who got in with less than 44%. Fred Barnes, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Good. I enjoyed it. You've Bye-bye, been listening Michael. to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.